Hello everyone, and welcome to the first ever Sinister Wisdom podcast. My name is Nadine Rodriguez, an intern for Sinister Wisdom. For those of you who haven't heard of us before or don't know, Sinister Wisdom is a multicultural, lesbian, literary, and art journal publishing since 1976. On this podcast, you'll hear notes from our editor, Julie R. Enzer, readings from our writers, interviews with editors, and lesbian art and culture news. This introductory set of episodes will focus on our latest published issue, Sinister Wisdom 113, Radical Muses. And Radical Muses actually marks 43 years of Sinister Wisdom and is now available for purchase at www.sinisterwisdom.org. Our first reading for this episode will be Lauren Stroh narrating her three poems, Broke Up Today, Women, and Can't Help It. My name is Lauren Stroh, and these are three poems for Sinister Wisdom. Broke up today, I imagine we marry. I imagine you blonde and dashing in a nice suit holding the ladder, and me gaily in white with the sun rising around us, and you fuck me into it. Women. There are a great many of them, and sometimes only one. I wish being gay still made me an outlaw. Can't help it, don't want to. Hit my leg in the night on your sister's coffee table. Cut my hand with your mother's knife and bruise my thigh open deeply when you fuck me up against the counter. You notice the blister on the side of my foot and offer me socks and a band-aid. And I laugh and I tell you no way. Our second reading will be Estela Gonzalez narrating her short story, Ale Bilijes. Alebrijes, by Estela González. Arriving was a no-brainer. That is, I had no brain left. How can you pack a kayak so lopsided that it turns 45 degrees from the intended direction? Paddling across the sound should have been easy. I was one with the wind, with my biceps and the current, all aiming towards the island. But the kayak proved a force I did not anticipate, stubbornly turning into the waves, away from the night's island. Under Ella's patient watch, I prevailed two hours after our ETA, and not without her offering to throw me a line and me balking at the prospect of being told by someone with a kayak heavier than mine. I prevailed all sunburned, my biceps bulging, the alebrijes in my tattoos, swimming on my chocolate skin. They seemed happier. After we beached and unloaded, I massaged my muscles. Ella watched me knead the larger alebrije, the one perched on my shoulder, and said, It sways back and forth. She kissed it. Pobrecita. She talked to each of them. Now, now. Thanks for bringing us here. You deserve to rest. Nena, I said. She kissed the smaller alebrije on my throat, and that led to the tiny one on the center of my chest. I pushed her off gently. Nena, let's do some reconnoitering. They told me the island would be ours this weekend, but are we sure? Let's make love? Sure. I mean, let's make sure. I tore her sweet mouth from my breasts, though they were pining for some sun, for a tan just like my shoulders, for more of Ella's tongue. I needed to know how truly free we were on this little island of ours. We were told we could swim as wide, as far as we wanted, free from men who resent are keeping our breasts to each other, for taking two pussies of line, for denying them what they maintain is theirs. A night for us 
to will the stars into appearing with the force of our patience. But let me not rush into the night, because first, it is a hot, bright afternoon, and Ella contemplates the sparkling horizon. I wander the beach and pick sticks, so many, so polished. This is beaver paradise. Less beaver paradise, may I add? My colleagues, the beavers, have smooth sticks to blonde perfection. I gather many in just the right shape to build the creatures in my mind, the alebrijes misteriosos, like the ones in Ella's country, on my shoulder, on my throat, between my breasts, spiky creatures in the shape of hedgehogs, porcupines, sea urchins. I build one hedgehog on the beach and she is so alive and expressive, so full of secrets, that Ella snaps picks and laments that I refuse to take her home with us. To her pout I repeat what she already knows, that nature art exists in nature, sits in the sun, bakes in the elements, sways with the breeze, rattles its mysterious music as it tumbles with a gust. Some call it decay. They do not know. Stick by stick, I assemble the hedgehog as we talk, or rather I talk, while Ella looks at the creature. I place be between its spikes two bulging chestnuts. They look back at our naked skin, glistening with a slight sheen. The sun has done its magic and Ella's skin has turned rosy despite the goo she calls scream. Especially the tender one around her dainty nipples. They bob while she roams, sprinkling milkweed tufts about, weaving Indian paintbrushes into garlands to crown the hedgehog, then me. The queen is now ready. The water laps and kisses our souls and beckons with its cool. And the, the next natural thing, because here everything is a natural thing, is to let the waves rock us. I hold Ella and she holds me and my breasts float with hers on the gentle green. There's nothing but water in our skin, hers so sweet, mine so ardent, and the alebrijes on my chest and my shoulder rejoice as they touch her. The hedgehog on the beach watches us. We float, and there is nothing but us. The breast stroke is easy. Ella's legs so close to mine. I do not kick, but flow. I caress her with the soles of my feet. But then I shriek, because something sickly flutters about the and entangles my legs. Ella laughs. They are called weeds. This is farmland, and the cow crap grows them. We swim further out, where the snake-like grows can't creep me out. Finally there, where there's nothing but cool, we tread water and kiss. I hold her, and she holds me, and we tangle our legs. Hold each other closer, we're not afraid. We kiss underwater and slowly drop. We reach the deep, the cooler and darker. The alebrije on my chest, calm and sleepy, as if this were the womb it hatched from. I open my eyes to Ella's face so close to mine, her eyes so blue in the darkening water, because we are sinking, and it is harder to see her, and I want to kiss her more, and I think we can stay like this just a second longer, where there is no air, but we are together. One more moment. We are good swimmers. We kiss. The sickly flutter tangles my feet. I grab Ella by the waist and by the hair, and I kick and propel us up, and now I am panicking, and I hope, I pray we make it, and the water turns lighter, and it is warm again, and I look up at the ceiling, that window where air lives, the film that separates my death from my life, 
where our life awaits us, if only we can reach it. I want to live, Ella. I love you. I can no more. But Ella claws. She pulls my wrist and takes me to where we can breathe. We choke a bit. We float on our backs to gather our wits. But the alebrije on my shoulder prickles. I look towards the shore because, you know, I do not have to see. I often feel the stairs that say, you're not one of us. And what right do you have, you speak, to take our woman? Funny they don't know. The blonde is a Mexican. And the brownie, yours truly, as American as apple pie. Ella says, there's no one here. We're alone. I look and she's right. There's no one but the hedgehog watching us from shore. Over us, Ella says, protecting us, Tontina. I am exhausted, my wrist aching from Ella's clawing, and I will always be grateful for that bruise. We find a sandy place where the water covers us to our waist, and Ella's breasts are so lovely in the sun and so smooth. I kiss her chest and drink all that wetness, and my hand reaches down and finds her warmest depth. Her eyes smile sleepily, and she finds my center, opens me gently. We hold each other in that swaying creature, and I never want to leave. Her arm around me, her hand is powerful, and I am so hers. Ella, I am yours. My knees buckle as I hold her by the waist. I bring her down with me, and I reach deep into her, and her eyes shine, and her mouth trembles, and her shoulder I bite. And I ask for more, for deeper, longer and stronger. And more. I shout as she shouts, and it is so deep. I don't know if it is pain, but I know that it is love. We are spent when we leave the water, and barely have time before dark to set up our hammocks and build a fire, chat a bit. But mainly we want to lie down, and I wish one hammock held us both, and Ella says, if it were a Mexican hammock, it would. Una maca grande para las dos. The way it should be. And we promise ourselves to bring a double hammock next time. Soon it is time to sleep, and we each ensconce ourselves in our cocoons, where we can see pieces of dark sky and a few stars through the branches, close enough to reach and hold hands. I close my eyes, and in my mind I review the hedgehog, the spiky creature of sticks, she with the benevolent eyes watching over the long-awaited freedom for two women to love each other. But the stars need sleep too, and the clouds oblige and blanket them. I say good night while Ella's breathing slows, and she takes leave. And I love her for that, for making me want her, for having to wait hours to have her again. Through the branches of the tree I glimpse the alebrije's bulbous eyes. In my sleeping bag, under my neck is a pillow made of a bundle of my clean laundry, my hammock forms a sack of my bones, wrapped in softness. Above is the fly we set up only on nights with a chance of rain. The clouds and the wind tell me this might be our first time trying it, and we will see if it holds. An airborne tent. All around me the tree, and around it the clouds blanketing the island. All is well, and I close my eyes. A few fat drops pelt the fly. Five on mine and three on Ella's, then droplets. So many I cannot count. The deluge. The rain blows and the wind pours, vehement branches vow and stoop, bounce and dance, shake, sway. 
I call Ella, but her snores punctuate the torrents. My fly gathers water no matter how totally I tied it. It forms a bowl I have to push to let the water spill off to the side. The water gathers on my arm, finds its weight on my cocoon to my cocoon, and turns it into a sop. My skin prickles and I tighten into a lump. The cold crawls on my goosebumps. It runs about my legs and feet. If only Ella could wake up. If only I could reach her. Can't I survive a night without her? And the hedgehog. Can she see our hammock sway? Can she see Ella sink deep into herself? And me fight buckets of water? Pray for the nightmare to pass? The water cascades and things rattle, water upon water, the wind unraveling twigs, taking pebbles, giving them vision, one eye first, then the other. In the seaweeds? Through the crazed branches, between flashes of lightning, I hope to glimpse a change in the black sky, a hint of grayness that will bring the new day. Wind brings ropes of water under the fly and into my hammock. Thunder splits the sky open. Lightning brings glimpses of what? A branch snaps. Like bowling pins scrambling, I pray nothing falls on us. I am beyond hope to regain warmth. All I can do is tremble and wait for the storm, for the night to pass. Ella's snoring to pass, so I can climb out of here and cry on her shoulder and ask her to warm me, to kiss my tearful eyes, my ringing ears, my trembling lips until I can lose myself in the blue of her eyes, hear her softly mocking me for being a coward, and I will grateful, be grateful for that, and I will gladly admit to being scared shitless. I reach towards her, under the rain, and I so hope for her hand to reach for mine. I stretch and touch her hammock, hope for the warmth of her body, her slow breathing, her unfathomable oblivion, and her sense of herself, that no gale will face. I shake the excess water of my hand and bring it back into my sopping bag. There is warmth on my cheeks as my tears bathe them. Now there is something, not only darkness. I must have fallen asleep. In the gray, birds chatter. They preen and shake the dew off. They revel in the tender breakfast of worms the storm prepared for them. I stretch within my soaking rags. I stand up and my limbs are so stiff they lose balance before I can walk to Ella's hammock. I shake off like a puppy. I touch the bundle that is she. It is comprised of her sleeping bag, her laundry bag, her fleece hoodie. All but Ella. Ella, I shout and my voice rings back to me. Ella, Ella, a choir of two. My voice and its echo make her name sound curious, impatient, exasperated at her for not leaving a sign of her whereabouts. I wonder, find a spot where just yesterday we showered ourselves in the paint, Indian paintbrushes and the milkweeds like ten-year-olds. The patches trample with our tracks, one pair larger than the other, and that is my evidence that she has been here, that yesterday's love and play, and silliness, and alebrije building, and creeped out the escape from seaweed, was not a fantasy of mine. But I do have a wife, and she is Mexican and blonde, and her name is Ella, that I am American, and dark-skinned, 
and covered in tattoos she has many times kissed, that she has baptized them each with silly names. And we're a couple, and we have found throwing people off, enjoying watching people embarrass themselves, thinking the darkie is a Mexican, and the blonde, named Ella, must be the American beauty. Sorry, wrong again. And we love it just that way. We have been on this island together. We loved each other just nine hours ago. I, I look up at the sun, and that is the best calculation I can make of the time that has passed since I last felt her warmth. I wonder. I cover the paths we walked, and I am back at our camp, our soaking hammocks, our sopping fireplace, our useless kayaks. What are two kayaks good for without my love to paddle back home with? I shout Ella, and I walk to the spot on the sand where a few sticks remain of the hedgehog who looked over our lovemaking. The spot where we swam off to, where the seaweeds creep me out, and the other spot where we kissed and sunk and played with drowning. I pine for the feeling of safety I had while drowning on Ella's arms. I stumble, and there's a garland of weeds on the beach. Like Rapunzel's braid, it enters the water and floats toward the spot where we kissed and sunk, where those weeds sent us on a mad dash to the surface. Did they save our lives? The same weeds float from where I stand on the beach. They stretch and then sink. They dive to the depths as though marking a path to the point where we almost died in each other's arms. I follow the garland in reverse towards land. It climbs the beach, past the sticks remaining from our alebrije, up the slope to our campsite. It arrives in Ella's soaking hammock. Moving on to our third reading, we have Jack's NTP narrating their poem, Forgetting as Commodity. Forgetting as Commodity. Grandma disembodies her youth as if famine isn't a weapon of war. Once she was pregnant for the 14th time and her husband doesn't know my mother's name from Vietnam's humidity to knowing snow in her bones, Oklahoma. Privilege is being able to decide where your plot lies, ashes disseminated, the difficulty of wanting. A dark whale sings a new song to mourn the sages. Saxophonic notes are just parenthetical browning. The frustration of inheriting cultural loss. Epiphanies are real, my grandmother said, if you can afford them. The reflexes from her left fingers are gone, infected from scrounging aluminum recyclables. The past orbits her present strength, which permits me curiosity. Sometimes knowing where you come from only prevents. Old leaves fall to make space for growth, and unpinning. Teach me the privilege of undusting family trees. What is post-fragmentation if emptiness is a pretense? Our next reading is a special one with Vicky Now narrating their poems, 11 The Open Moor and 21 Sapphic Desire Through Cubism. 
V is the editor for an upcoming Sinister Wisdom issue focused on Asian lesbians. We will have an episode later on featuring an interview with her over her work and ideas for Asian lesbians very soon. This open more. I don't expect you to be barren, to express indifference towards me through carnal infractions. I don't expect you to separate my hips from your lips, your toes from my elbows, when we both know that softness has no exit wounds. No noise before pre-orgasms, no liquid before incantation. We can only choreograph what we don't know. Your body on top of me, reconfiguring the lower strata of openness. Your skin, a new era of suppression. I expect the air between us to suffocate when you love me exactly before you do love me. You said you would slide into me like a perfect glove. You said this would be easy. The forest losing her memories of how many trees she must protect. I can't remember how many kisses must I permit the body to let in. Every uninvited guest must uncross her legs to fight informality. I just want the pure formality of you wanting me enough that you would widen your legs, your imagination, your skin that separates one labia from another. I just want this open more with your face of ecstasy in it, like a lake that knows how to speak ten languages all at once, from the rippling mountains of a category five storm provoked inside a body when it has been loved too much by the wind scale landfall between the preamnesia of the tongue and the spasms of clutched bed sheets. Sapphic desire through cubism. I cup her square breasts and place my hexagonal mouth on her octagonic femininity, where geometry could only respond by collaging its semi-circular nipples against the rectangularness of my crescent sexual awakening. My tongue isn't a red triangle. My yearning for her isn't an oval. I present to her a prenuptial rumbus, and her trapezoidic tears fall unoverly down my star-shaped sleeves. I don't want her blue, cylindrical memory of me on our hypercubistic bedsheets to share parallel ceramic vectors with ultraviolet male trefoils or quadrifoils. I want my privacy with her scalenic. I want our intimacy cross-motivated and elliptical as if her cunt is an arrow and I am eating her polygonally with all the sincere pickness in me. 
I don't expect my anti-triangle love for her to go far or to fly like a purple kite. And I don't believe I'm asking too much. And she gives me a six-pointed star kiss that I demand the shape of her orgasm to be a curvilinear triangle and a heptagon and a spheric prism all at once on our wedding night. Yes, my love for her is a square-based pyramid. Please don't judge her for loving me so cuboidically. It would break my dakakhedron-shaped heart into a thousand isohedronic and octahedronic pieces. Capiche? With that, our first ever episode of the Sinisterism podcast comes to an end. Our part two to Sinisterism 113 Radical Muses will be posted very soon. A quick reminder that Radical Muses, an incredible and moving collection of contemporary poetry, prose, and art, is now available to buy at www.sinisterism.org sw113. Another reminder that more lesbian art and talent can be found in the 2020 Sinisterism calendar, also available to buy at sinisterism.org calendar. We will have an episode in the future featuring artists from the calendar discussing their work, as well as Sarah Gregory speaking about the special dates and lesbian history involved. Please go ahead and follow us on our social media at sinister underscore wisdom on Instagram and Twitter, and sinisterism on Facebook. As always, thank you for supporting Sinisterism, and thank you for listening to our first ever podcast episode. Stay tuned.